time to take a vacation for the next couple weeks and uh, be gone. But you're here now, either online, of course you can shut me off online, I wouldn't know. Uh, uh, you're here now, uh, don't go to the bathroom because everybody will think you're leaving under conviction, okay? I, I just, just let, give you that hint right now, I'm kidding. You've got to go, go, but just come back. Um, sometimes I think you, like it's easy to think from your seat that uh, I went, whoever is up here preaching, which, you know, is often me, that we, that I have this all that together, what I'm talking about. Like, like, oh, it must be nice being married to him because look how spiritual he is. And what you don't know is that Crystal goes, yeah, right. He's preaching out of pure obedience, not experience. And sometimes we have to preach things that we struggle with. And while we're struggling, God says, I still want you to preach it. And then I'm reminded of James chapter 3, where James says, don't be a teacher because you'll be held more accountable for what you say than anybody else. And so either do it or stop talking about it. That's what I face from this side. And it's easy to think from your side, whoa, he seems to have it all together. Well, uh, I don't always have it all together. In fact, one of the biggest struggles I've had since coming here, which was like 12 years ago, I came, when Crystal and I lived in uh, Strathroy, we were very connected with our community because our kids were in different schools and sports, and we got to know families as I coached, or we brought our kids, and you know, you sit in the rink, or you sit at the, in the gym, and you get to know families, and you travel with them, and, and we were really connected in our, our community, and through those connections, saw a number of different people come to the church, and some of them come to Christ. And so we were quite active in, in sharing our faith and in growing and developing with people. And then we moved here. And when we moved here, our two oldest sons were gone. They, they had gone off to university. And our youngest was older. And so he, we didn't get the connection with the community. And so I came here and we were busy and we got to know some great people because there's so many great people at this church. And, and I was busy with ministry and there's a lot to do in ministry. And so what I found for the next few years is that I was quite isolated from non-Christians because all the people I work with, surprise, surprise, are Christians here in the church. That's good to know. That's good for you to know, right? Oh, good. Our staff is Christians. Even our elders are Christians. Yeah. Yeah. How lucky are we? And then, uh, so, so I was surrounded by Christians, and I liked that, but I, I just there was this sense in my heart that, boy, I don't get to share Jesus much. And so that, that started to, over the next uh, a few years, I was really starting to get burdened about that. Here I am telling you to share Jesus, but it's, I'm not doing it a lot. I did it some, but not a lot. And so the Spirit of God was just, uh, pressing away at my heart. You need to be doing it if you're telling people and leading people to do it. So my middle son, Denver, said to me, Dad, uh, he knew the struggle I was having. He said, Dad, why don't you join a CrossFit gym? Because you'll get to meet a lot of people and you'll get in shape. And by the way, you need to get in shape. And so uh, <laughs> I don't know which one was more important to him at the time. But uh, so I, I resisted that suggestion for six months. I would not join. 
And I had all these reasons why I didn't want to. I was too busy and, you know, I didn't know anybody and I don't like going into situations where I don't know. But, you know, I had all the whole excuse. Finally, the, the, the conviction uh, got to me. And so uh, Crystal and I joined the gym and, of course, met wonderful people, like just fabulous people. And uh, got to know some of those people. We're having a great time meeting those people. And I got to share Jesus a little bit with some different people. Most, most people I began to broach, they just weren't interested. They knew I was a pastor. They weren't interested in spiritual things. And so it didn't, a lot of those conversations didn't get off the ground very far. But then we got connected with uh, two other couples. And after a while, uh, I just had this prompting, I think, from the Holy Spirit. Why don't you invite them to Alpha? Why don't you do an Alpha in your home and invite them? And I thought, well, God, I'll do that, but they're going to say no. And of course, they said yes. And so here we were, we started to have them in our home, and then COVID hit, and this became, our, our Alpha became the, uh, the means whereby we were connecting, because, you know, we were all in our homes, but we, every week, they were, they would remind me, Alpha's coming up, Ed, make sure you get everything ready for us, and, you know, and these are people that are not followers of Jesus, and so we went through Alpha, and it was going so well that I invited another individual I met at the gym you know, he would say no. He said yes. And then I invited my sisters to do this. And so at different times, I was doing these alphas through the week. And, and, and it's so easy to do. You just play the video and then ask, what do you think? And it's amazing when you ask people what they think, they tell you what they think. And we had great discussions. And so it was going really well. Now, of those seven people, one person trusted Christ. That was I was so excited. And one of them came back to the, her faith. The other five were like, gee, this was great. Really enjoyed doing it with you, but not really interested. So now I'm, I'm you know, excited. I'm sharing my faith. I can tell you to go share your faith because I'm sharing my faith. And actually I'm getting a joy that I had kind of lost in my Christianity. There was a absence of joy about following Jesus. But now it was back because I'm praying. I've got people I'm praying for. I'm watching them. I'm in the harvest, as Byron said, you know, in the harvest. I'm sharing my faith with people, sharing Jesus with people. And, and I'm excited about my faith. I'm praying and with a new energy and passion. But then, then I noticed that, well, you, you don't, once you share the gospel a few times with people, if they say no thanks, you just, the plan isn't keep hammering them until, you know, they finally receive Jesus. It means that season of their life, they're really not open to it right now. They may be in a future season. But, and then I noticed all the contacts I had to share my faith had been drying up, like I wasn't sharing my faith anymore. And I began to pray, God, increase my boundaries. And as soon as I prayed that prayer, uh, God kept bringing this idea, well, why don't you just go knock on doors and meet people in the community and find those that are interested in spiritual things? And I said, there is no way, there is no way that I will be going door to door. I'm just not going to do it. And, you know, this is where the grace of Jesus is so great. I mean, he's telling, I'm a pastor, right? I'm, I'm serving God and I'm saying no to him in my spirit. And um, he just keeps tapping me on the spirit and bringing examples. And, and so for two years, I am struggling 
with this sense that I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't want to do this. You know, you know all the excuses that I was using. I was using the same ones you use. So you know what they are. And uh, so I, I was really resisting the Holy Spirit. And then Byron and his wife Hannah, you saw in the video. So Byron works for Feb uh, National, which is our parent organization uh, of churches. And he, they come to our church. They're, they're moving, and they want to find a new church, and they're just trying, checking out Springvale. And I see them in the, the foyer, and I walk over, and I start talking, say hi. And lo and behold, I find out he's from Feb National. I said, let's go for lunch. And so I think within two weeks, we're at lunch, and we're talking. And Byron says to me, he said, you know, we're choosing a new church, but whatever church I go to, I have... <laughs> I, I need to know that the leadership will support me going into the harvest, which is another name for going door to door to find people who God's working in to share Jesus with them. Okay? So he's, he's, he says, I need to know that the church would support me in that. And the easy, the obvious answer is for me to say, well, of course we as a leadership would support with you in that. But what comes out of my mouth, I think two years of conviction uh, comes out of my mouth. I didn't even mean for these words to come out of my mouth. I said, of course we'll support you. I'll even join you. <laughs> and I'm looking at like, who said that? Like, and, it, uh, and then now that it's out, what can I say to the guy? I just said, I'll join you. And he's like, fantastic. Oh, that's great. I'll set it up. And I'm like, oh, no, yeah, you will, won't you? <laughs> so since the spring... Byron and I have been going door to door. Every Thursday, we go out together into the harvest, and uh, we knock on somebody's door. We, get, we choose an area. We pray over it. We knock on the door, um, and our, we, we ask, we say to the person, we're out caring for our community the way we care, is we pray over people in their homes. Would you like us to pray over your home? About four out of ten say, Sure. Yeah, sure, pray for it. You know, we get some, like this week, a guy looked at us and went, no, you know, no, why would, it, you know, you know, why would I want you to pray? That's not even real. But about four out of ten actually say, sure. So we pray for them, and then after we pray, we'll, we'll say, Did you, do you, would you like to know how God draws near to people? And about one or two out of ten go, sure. Because we believe that the scripture teaches, in fact, I'm going to show you how the scripture teaches, that God is already at work in people, and he's looking for people to go find them. I'm not there to argue with people. If they want to talk about another religion or why they believe, I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm not here to argue. I just move on. If they're not interested, I don't try to make them feel guilty so they'll at least listen to me. I'm like, no, that's fine. If you don't want to hear, that's fine. I'm okay. I move on. We just move on. Because we're looking for people who God is working in and they're looking for somebody to point them to God. And it's amazing how many people we get to talk to. Now, I got to tell you, ever since I started doing this, of course I have to die to myself. Some, some days I go, oh, I hope it rains. Oh, gee, <laughs> This Thursday, God, if you have any mercy, make it rain. I, I just, I, I, and I have to, it's always sunny on Thursdays. Have you noticed that? It's always sunny and warm. And um, I have to die to myself. 
It's not like I go, woohoo, it's Thursday. Uh, I have to die to myself, but I find that that dying takes less and less effort as we go out. And so I want to share with you why I have such joy over this. When you think, why would you have joy over this? It's because whenever you engage in the mission Jesus gives us, you get joy. Lo, I am with you. Do you know when he said, lo, I am with you always? Do you know when he said it? You watch. You're going to get it in the verse that we're going to look at. Anyway, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. So he just spread through the promised land, all the towns and villages, and notice what he modeled and did. Teaching in their synagogues, the places where they would gather, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his followers, his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, sometimes we can read passages like that and totally ignore the fact that Jesus is calling us out to a task to a mission, to a responsibility. And here's why. Because we live in a culture, this is the, the, the water that we breathe as fish in our culture. Our culture tells us our lives revolve around us. And so if I don't like it, or it makes me feel uncomfortable, or I don't want to do it, I have the right to say no, and I don't need to feel guilty about it. The culture of the kingdom does not revolve around you and me. It revolves around Jesus. And one of the terms used to describe him is master, which means we are slaves. Not servants, slaves. That's a picture of the relationship in the kingdom, that Jesus has rescued us and now we serve him. And so when he says, this is what I'm calling you to do, Obviously, you get to choose yay or nay, but you don't get to choose yes or no without consequences. Which may be the reason some of you are experiencing a faith that is dry and without joy. Because you're stuck in disobedience. And so Jesus goes, and he, he goes through all that, and so he's, he's going to model first. He doesn't tell us to do something that he doesn't do. He first models it. He goes through to all the towns and villages. He goes to everybody and anybody, and he teaches in their synagogues, and what does he teach them? He proclaims the good news of the kingdom, and then he heals every disease and sickness. And so Jesus goes, to, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is the reign and rule of God. It began at Eden. When, G, when God said to Adam and Eve, go into all the world and I want you to multiply and rule over it and bring it in submission to me. Of course, Adam and Eve sinned. Sin went rampant through the world because it's in all of us. We're all inherited sin nature. And then Jesus comes and he renews the command that the Father gave Adam and Eve. And this is at Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Do I have that on the screen? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Uh, Jesus went, no, Matthew 28, 19, 20. I got it here. Anyway, when it comes up on the screen, you can read along. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. 
All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, said Jesus. And so therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely, there it is, I am with you. When is he with us? When we are on mission. When you're out doing what I've called you to do, I'll be walking beside you and I will share my joy and my strength and my wisdom and my power with you when you're doing what I call you to do. And I wasn't doing what he was calling me to do and that's why I felt empty and joyless in my faith. Didn't lose it, I just wasn't thrilled by it. Now notice, I just want to say that mission is twofold. There's, <clears throat> there's the reaching and then there's the teaching. So our mission is twofold. There's people that don't know Jesus and we're to go find them and introduce them to Jesus. And once a person receives and submits to, to follow Jesus, we're to build them up in the faith. It's called evangelism and discipleship, uh, reaching and teaching. Both sides of that are our mission. Our job is to, is, is to build you up in your faith so that you can go out and reach people who then we will build them in their faith and together we do this mission. And that's what Jesus is doing in uh, the verses in Matthew chapter 9 where he went around proclaiming the good news, the kingdom, and healing sick. And by the way, healing the sickness and disease, I don't have time to develop this theology for you, but the kingdom is the reign and rule of God. And where God reigns and rules, there is no sickness and there is no sin. And so this is a promise of what is coming. And so Jesus comes and heals people in their sickness and their disease to show that the reign and rule of God is evident here on earth, that it's here now and it's coming in the future. Now notice the reason he does this. When he saw the crowds, he had what? What's the word? Say it out loud. Compassion. Thank you. Say it out loud again. There. He cared about the people that were lost. In fact, he uses a metaphor. He says that they were, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's a metaphor that's used to describe something. And, and how were they sheep that were harassed? What harasses sheep? Wolves. And he says they were harassed like sheep. You know, you only have to go back over uh, to Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus in verse 15, just a few chapters earlier, says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious. What? Wolves. He sees the people and he has deep compassion on them. Because they're harassed, they're attacked by false teachers. Now, in, in other scriptures, we know false teachers are motivated and inspired by demons. And their role is to lead people away from the truth of God. That's what their role is. And false, uh, these wolves that are harassing people, I mean, you just need to go on YouTube and you can find uh, preachers and religious leaders and university profs that will lead you anywhere but to Jesus. Our whole culture, there's a, there's a subculture within our culture that says, Jesus isn't even real. Be free without him. 
some family traditions lock us into prisons that lead us away from God. So, so there is this, Jesus looks at these people and says they don't have anybody that will help them because they are, they are locked into an understanding that won't lead them to God, to actually leading them away from God. So this week, just Thursday, Byron and I are um, going door to door. And we're like, oh, for eight, meaning nobody's home. I'm shocked at who's home on Thursdays. But this time, nobody's home. Nobody's answering the door. I'm like, Byron, we've never been through this before. Oh, for eight. And he's like, well, we'll just keep going. And so we do. And then we got to knock on a few doors and met a few people and prayed over their homes and some we shared Christ with. And, and then we, we got to this one door. And uh, it was my turn, so I knocked on the door. And the lady opened, and I said, we're here to show care for, for people in our community. We do that by praying. Can I pray over you? Sure. So I prayed over her and her house. And then I said, um, so uh, do you know how God draws near to people? No. Could I share that with you? Sure. So we use a three-circle thing. So we draw on these little cards, draw a circle with like a brokenness in the middle of it. And we say, this is, represents our world. Would you argue with me that the world isn't broken? Like think of the addictions, think of the wars, think of politics, think of residential schools, think of all that's in our news. <clears throat> I've never had anybody say, no, the world's perfect. They're like, yeah, shaking their head. I said, now, I draw a second circle over here and I say, put a big heart in the middle, and I say, God created this world, but he didn't create it broken, he created whole, so that we could experience peace, we could experience relationship with him, we could experience what real love is, and prosperity, and, and life, and, and then so the question we ask is, well then why isn't our world like this? If God created it this way, why is it broken? And then you draw a line across, and a little person on it, you say sin, that's where mankind said, yeah, I don't want to do it your way, God, I'll do it my own way. And that broke the world because sin brings brokenness. But we don't like living in brokenness, so we find ways to try to uh, escape it. Like, if I just find the right person and get married, then I'll truly be happy. Or if I just make enough money and, and success and achievement, I'll truly be happy. Or if I find enough pleasure in life, I'll truly be happy. And by, like on these squiggly lines, and we say, they're, they're like a bungee cord because they work for a little while but then they, they throw you back in the openness. Because how many people have said, if I just find the right person, I found the right person, and then discovered they're a person. <laughs> like me, broken. And now it's work to make this relationship work. Or how many people thought, hey, I'll, I'll find pleasure, and, and they got into drugs or alcohol, and, and now they're addicted, and their lives are a complete mess, and their family's lives are a complete mess. And the person's like, yeah, I, I see that. And then you draw a little door in that circle and you say, but God made a way to escape. And you draw a third circle. And then I draw an arrow inside the circle going down. And that is, Jesus came to the earth. And then I draw a cross, but evil men cr crucified him. But he surprised us all. I draw another uh, arrow up and say he rose from the dead, overcoming sin and paying for it. And that anybody who turns, and then I draw a line from the broken world to this Jesus, anybody who turns and trusts in Jesus and makes him the king of their life, he will make new from the inside out. He forgives, gives a relationship with God, makes us new from the inside out, and then reconnects us with God so that we can begin to experience the life God made us to. Which circle are you in? Here? The brokenness, or here, then made new from the inside.
Now, when I started that conversation, all hell broke loose. I'm not kidding you. All hell broke loose. This person was from a different religion than Christianity. And as soon as I started to share, this redneck landscaping dude with no muffler on his truck decided to do a speed test up the street. And I have, ne I couldn't even hear, she, she couldn't hear me, I couldn't hear her. Up the street. That's all, that's all. So we both stopped and looked and we're like, what is that guy doing? So he leaves, he's gone. I try to start again. I guess his brother, redneck too, Daryl, he comes back and the he's got the same truck, only different. You can't hear a thing. So I have to wait for Daryl and his other brother, Daryl, to get out. So it finally comes down. Daryl one must have went around the block because I'm starting to talk again. Boom, the same thing. I'm like, what? No, so by the third one, I'm like, okay, this is spiritual warfare. This is an accident. Never happened before. Never happened since. Well, the next few has. Just this one. So Larry, or Daryl one, or whatever his name was, took off and went. And so I finally like, well, surely they're done. And I start to try to explain again, the neighbor with a lawnmower. What is it with Satan and lawnmowers? <laughs> I could not hear, like, I never heard a lawnmower so loud. We, I could, and so we were trying to talk over it and everything. So finally it's like, we're done. And we're leaving, we're walking away. And I said, Byron, that was really weird. And he goes, I have never experienced this before. And I said, what? And he said, the whole time you were talking, I could feel the weight of evil in my life. I was praying for you. I was just interceding and asking God for opportunity, clarity, a chance to speak. And he said, I could feel the oppressive weight of evil all over me. And I was just interceding. It was all I could do. And he said, I feel like I was just beat up. So when Jesus said they're harassed and helpless, we experienced it on Thursday. We had compassion. Now that's when Jesus turns to his disciples and he says two things. The harvest is plentiful. Now plentiful means abundance, many, multitude. So this is the first thing he wants his followers to know i.e. you and me. It may appear to you that not a lot of people are interested in the gospel, but I'm telling you that the harvest is plentiful. There are a multitude, a lot, many whom I'm working in whom I'm speaking to you and I want you to go out and find them. Because otherwise, the wolves will find them. They're like sheep 
without a shepherd. And you need to go and shepherd them, bring them into the flock, show them where they can know God, how they can find forgiveness of sins and new life. You need to go find, they're out there, you just need to go find them. I googled. So, population of Markham, Richmond Hill, Aurora, Newmarket, Uxbridge, Whitchurch, Stovall. About 780,000 people, says Google. Now, if you're generous and say 10% of those are already followers of Jesus, which that's a high percentage, but let's. So you're now at about 680,000 people who don't know Jesus. If plentiful means 1%, 1%. 6,840 people are ready to receive Jesus in our area. 6,840 people. But is 1% really plentiful? Let's say it's 5%. 34,000 people right now are wondering about eternity and wondering how they find peace and how they settle their un the, the, the fact that they're unsure about what happens after life. 34,000, that's just 5%. That's, okay, that's maybe getting closer to plentiful, but let's just call it there. Let's call it 1%. The reason I'm telling you those numbers is because I want you to know that there are people that you live with, live beside, work with, play sports with, go to school with, that are asking questions in here about God. They're all over the place. Because Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. Now, either he is lying or they're really there. Which one do you think it is? Well, since the scriptures say it's impossible for God to lie and Jesus never lies, I think maybe he's right. Not maybe, I think he is right. This, this caught my attention. You mean, God, you're out there working in people's lives and leading them to know you, and you're, 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 you've got this plenty, plentiful people, this multitude of people out there, and you're looking for, here's the second thing he wants to know, so, but the workers are few, so ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Ah, the reason that they're, so the, the metaphor is a harvest, a field of ripe grain, like we saw on the screen for the sermon bumper intro. And, and the, they're out there, they're ripe, meaning their soul is ready to connect with God, but there's so few workers going into the field. And so pray and ask God to bring workers into the field. It's not from lack of harvest, it's from lack of workers. See now, didn't I tell you it's going to get uncomfortable? In case you haven't connected the points, people are lost and being harassed and they're helpless because they don't know God. God is at work in many different people. There's a shortage of workers. We're the workers. Just want to make sure that line got connected. So pray. Now, I just want to say real quick, I don't think all of you are called to go out into the harvest door-to-door -door with a Byron and I. Now, I would love it at all of you came. <clears throat> it would create some 
organizational problems initially, but it would be fantastic. I get it. Byron and I are freaks. We know that. But there are some of you that are freaks too because you want a challenge to your faith. But that doesn't mean that's the only way to go into the harvest. Right? Uh-huh. That's, that's the... You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you do if your spirit is going, boy, Jesus is right, Ed is right, the workers are few, and I really should be dealing with this. We talk about the three I's here. Intercede, invest, invite. So I would say to you, if God is speaking to you, start here. Intercede. Pray to, for God to show you where you can join him. Because if he's plentiful and he's working, then he's probably working in people around you. So start praying. Because heart change does not happen because I tell somebody something. It happens because God works in their heart. And so I pray to join with him, and I pray for people that he would work in their heart. So write down a list of all the people you know that you do not believe are followers of Christ, or you don't know if they're followers of Christ. Make that list and just start praying through it. Start praying through it over and over as weeks go by. Pray for one, two, three names a day. Uh, and, and through the weeks, just pray through it. God, would you work? Would you open their heart? Would you help them to see the truth? Would you show me if you're at work? Show me how I go my next step with these people. That's where we start. The first I intercede always. So you can start there. Any of us can do that. Start praying for people you know in your life circles, your network of relationships who don't know Jesus or you don't think they know Jesus. Second, invest. See, relationship is the best environment for truth to be shared. And so build relationships with non-Christians. For some reason, we have this idea we're supposed to withdraw from the world. We're supposed to withdraw from the practices of the world, but we're not supposed to withdraw from the people of the world. They're the ones God loves. They're the ones Jesus died for. He's not saying get, pull back from them. He's going full on engage. And what do you do? How do you build relationship? Well, you do it. You've been doing it since you went into kindergarten. You talk with people. You spend time with people. You go for coffee with people, although typically a pre-kindergarten isn't going for coffee. But as you got older, you would go, and you do things. You go to movies. You go to vacations. You have them over to your home. That's what you do with the friends that you have. And so open your expanse, your network, and start inviting people you aren't sure are followers of Jesus and build relationship with them. Because truth is the most effective in the environment of relationship. If we trust the person, we're more open to hearing from them. And if we love people, then we spend, invest time and money and energy into people to build relationship with the hope that we can have a friend and that maybe share Christ with them. The friends that I have that aren't Christians, I'm still friends with them, but they've said, no, I'm not interested. I'm still friends. We still do stuff. And then the final I is invite. So there's a tool you use every day. You use it with Siri, you use it with your spouse, you use it with kids, you use it with boss, you use it with employees, you use it with everywhere. It's called a question. When you want to know something, a question is the doorway into that knowledge, correct? Yes, Ed, correct. That was your response. And so you, when you ask questions, people give you answers. 
It's a wonderful tool. You ought to try it sometime. It's amazing. Spiritual questions will bring spiritual answers. So this is an acronym I use to remind myself the questions because I'll be honest, there are times we knock on the door and we go through the whole thing and I share the three circles and then the person asks a question or makes a statement and I go, uh, 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 well, it was nice meeting you and then I walk away because I don't know the answer. It happens all the time. But these shy questions are really helpful. Now, I spell shy funny, right? S-J-H-Y. I know that's not how you spell it, but that's the only way the acronym works. So it's a silent J. <laughs> ask spiritual beliefs. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? Just ask the question and listen. Yeah, I do. What are they? People like to be asked questions. J is for Jesus. Who do you think Jesus was? I mean, he was 2,000 years ago. He lived and died. And we're still talking about him. Why? What do you think, who do you think he was? H, heaven and hell. Do you, really, do you think there's a real heaven and hell? Why do you think that? And then the why question is you. We'll leave these up on the screen, please, so that people that can write them down on their phone have them. Do you know how God draws close to you? No, I don't. Three circles. Explains that. So where do you go from here? It's a good idea, Mark. Take a picture. Thank you. There's the big, one of the best evangelists in our church taking the picture. Hey, these questions are good. Isn't that always the way, right? Okay, where do you go from here? Well, the first thing is uh, pray. Make prayer and praying about the lost in your life. Make a prayer. In fact, uh, I would say uh, Luke 10.2 also records the story. And in there, that's where Jesus, Luke 10.2 says, uh, pray for God to raise up har uh, workers for the harvest. At 10.02 on my phone every weekday, an alarm goes off to remind me to pray for workers. Set an alarm, 10.02. Or if you don't, if you'd rather, this is set it for 9.38. Either one. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's from that verse. Start praying for the lost. Start praying and asking God, what do you want me to do? The next thing, you can, we have Alpha. We have Alpha going on all different ways. We have Alpha, a big group. So you go, I could never run an Alpha. Well, invite somebody to the one we run here at the church. Or do it online with a friend, who, a friend that may live. My sister, one that didn't, lives in, near Seattle, and we met every week. Didn't cost me a dime. My other sister lived in PEI. We spanned the continent and met. And like I said, it was easy. You just play. Hey, what did you think? And we would talk. they would talk for 40 minutes. And I said, I got to go. <laughs> Maybe your group, life group. We had a young men's life group do this and led a young man to Christ who's now our intern. Isn't that cool? You know what you could do? Byron is going to teach a one-hour seminar uh, at the end of the month uh, on how do I share my faith. Right, I think we'll do it right after the service. Just boom. How do, yeah, how do you do that three-circle thing? Like, I'm interested in knowing. He's going to do it. You can sign up for that. 
learn to share your faith. Or if you really want a challenge, we have an introductory limited time offer that you could come with us into the harvest and you don't have to say a word the first time. You just watch us do. We'll pair you up with one of us and we'll take you door to door. You don't have to say a word. You can just watch what happens and see it's really not that hard. And some of you need that challenge. In fact, the Spirit of God, I, I'm sorry for this, but the Spirit of God just tapped you and will continue to tap you waiting for your obedience. I know that's not for everyone. It's okay. There's different ways to go into the harvest, but for some of you, you need that challenge because your faith is so dry. Let me pray over you. Jesus, thank you for your love for us that when we were harassed and helpless, and didn't know right from wrong, didn't understand how to find forgiveness of sins and new life with you, you sent somebody into our lives, a parent, a, a sibling, a friend, a youth group, a church, and, and there was the gospel was shared, how Jesus died for us and gives us forgiveness of sins when we submit to you, and we have life. We thank you for that. And now you call us to be workers in your harvest this is a hard message. It challenges us, God, because we're so uh, afraid sometimes of what other people think. Sometimes we're so comfortable. We don't want to step out where it's difficult and hard. Our fear, our comfort, our busyness. We're so busy with our families and our work, and we've plugged our lives full of things. We don't have time for the thing you call us to. For some of us, it's passivity. I'll live... I'll live my life. And if somebody asks me a question about spiritual things, I'd be happy to answer them. But Jesus said, never did that. Jesus, you modeled. You went out and found people, and you call us to go out and find people. That's not how you do it. And some of us are just plain disobedient. And I have fallen into every single one of those categories. God, would you deliver us from our, ourselves, deliver us from our unfruitfulness, deliver us from our fears, deliver us from this sense of uh, comfort, entitlement that we have, and make us true servants. Would you raise up from us servants for the harvest, workers for the harvest, I pray. Amen.